All right, Jack, we are here. And I want to say before we get started, thanks for coming on, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thank and, you for having me. Glad and, to um, be here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, great. Um, usually when we start the podcast, the guest gets to dedicate it to whatever they like. So anything that you have on your mind you would like to dedicate this episode to? I think I got to dedicate it to the cast and crew of Max Bishop. Right. Wonderful. A large group of people. Good. Fabulous uh, people. <laughs> Nick. Welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast. Before we get to my interview with Jack Baranek, he's the writer and director of the movie Max Bishop, I have a couple of announcements. Um, my Indiegogo page for my first comic book is up now. If you're interested for some cool deals and some sweet perks um, and you like noirs, I think you'd be interested in my comic book simply titled the green way um if you want to look for it it's the indiegogo page category comics and look for the title the green way i am offering some great deals and some cool perks even if you wanted to if you're interested in just getting a digital copy i'm now selling that uh for five dollars so please check out the indiegogo page for my first comic book at the green way Next up, um, October 27th, I'll be hosting a panel discussion at um, Minnesota Crypticon at the Hilton Hotel. Um, the panel discussion will be um, benefits of podcasting for independent films. Um, if you are an independent filmmaker, if you want to be an independent filmmaker, I'm going to offer uh, a panel discussion about how bon podcasts can benefit you guys. Also, in, in conjunction with Crypticon, uh, this podcast is hosting a contest. Um, you're, if you're interested in winning two free tickets to Crypticon, October 27th, 28th, um, two free tickets, two regular free tickets, uh, we're hosting a contest um, with the podcast. Simply, with your Twitter handle, name your favorite horror movie, and use the hashtag con, uh, Crypticon Filmcast Contest. And there you'll be submitted to a raffle drawing and possibly win two free tickets to Crypticon this year. All right, without further ado, we have my interview with Jack Baranek, the writer-director of the movie Max Bishop. All right, we are back with Jack Baranek. Did I say it right? Yes, sir. Okay, because I usually... Okay, Baranek, he is the director... Yes, writer and director. Writer and director of the new film Max Bishop. And right now, you're in post-production, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, we are in... Uh, Majority, we're in post-production. Right, we yeah. have one scene left to shoot, and we'll be shooting that over the first weekend of, of October. Okay. Um, that is the last thing to shoot, and we've been editing everything in this downtime. Yeah. Um, and it's been going really, really well. So yeah. primarily, you, you filmed it this summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great, great. So you're, you're looking forward to all those scenes being filmed and going into the, the editing process, the post-production process, yep, yep. which is another another marathon to go, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, thank, that's why I'm very thankful that we've had this time. I mean, I we probably wrapped the majority of production in late July. Okay. So that's given us a month, month and a half to edit. So we're very far along on the actual editing portion. So after well, we, kudos, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the heavy lifting, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, from here, we'll go into sound mixing, color, that kind of stuff, um, and then hopefully that'll allow us then to wrap up this last scene in early October. Plug that in, massage all that in, and then we're cooking. Off, off your lunch. Yeah. Um, with Max Bishop, you want to give somebody a little sample of what's it about? What the little, the little yeah, plot so story? Yeah, so Max Bishop is the darkly comic story of an out-of-work hitman who finds employment at the, as a janitor at the local elementary school. <laughs> and uh, so the pitch for a while was, it's kind of, think, Kindergarten Cop as directed by Jean-Pierre Melville. <laughs> I already got an idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you had the idea, would you have thought of a kind of a dark comedy yes. initially? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I looking back, I can I can connect the dots on where the idea came from, but at yeah. the time, it really came out of nowhere. It was a writer's dream. It just 
wrote itself kind of um, right you almost when you get to that groove of uh writing that you um you get that sense like somebody else is doing it right or the characters are telling me what i have to do that's what we all strive for that's the best feeling in the world so did you have like a a scene to go through like a scene this gets this the part the spark or you just had like something you know the there was it's the opening scene of the movie was the spark that was the first thing i thought of I'd rather not get too much into that opening scene because I think it's going to be really enjoyable for people to, to yeah. discover it. But yeah, this this opening scene came to me one night, and I was almost aggravated because I'm like, well, this is too good. I need to keep writing this. It's just so good, this opening scene. And the next day, I would say about 75% of the story came in, in the course of a few hours. And if we... If I could figure out how that happened, I, I would tell you, and I'd, I'd do it again. You know? <laughs> right, right. But... Uh, Right. It was a really fun process of writing it, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you usually, when you write, do you do outlines, or this one just kind of kicked itself out? This one just kicked itself out. Okay. It's, depending on the project. Sometimes yeah. I'll have a story, and I really need to see it in outline form before I start diving in. This yeah. was a case where, man, the wheels are greased, and I was ready to just go with it right when I thought of it, yeah. So how long did it kind of take to, through getting its writing started and f- to full completion where you're ready to yeah that first to. draft took honestly less uh, than a week it okay. was it was so quick and then you know another few months of again just kind of ironing it out getting it right yeah um but for me so much of it felt right from the beginning okay yeah yeah it's it just one of those that just kind of fits in a groove and yep yeah yep but uh yeah really enjoyed the writing process on this because it was so smooth kind of yeah do you uh feel comfortable do you have to need like a certain environment to write are you kind of alone people that can write anywhere generally i can write anywhere although that might be more of a line than the truth because when (laughs) i do find myself in a quiet secluded right very peaceful environment uh, maybe it works a little better (laughs) (laughs) do you do uh storyboards words and stuff yeah, um, we my my girlfriend uh, is a wonderful artist, and this was the first time we really did in depth storyboards. Okay, I've All done right. storyboards in the past, but nothing as in depth as this. Yeah, and usual is because the independent film you don't really have time to do kind of storyboards. Mm-hmm. You really just get the script out. Let's do get hire people. Let's go. But you didn't have the sometimes to develop that, and that's kind of nice mm-hmm. to kind of get a sense of what. You could show people what the idea is visually, it was right? Extremely helpful, and yeah. going forward, that's just always how we're going to operate. I mean, I, I knew it in theory, but yeah. seeing it and doing it in practice, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, did you, when you write, did you start from a beginning, or did you have like an ending in mind, or you just kind of oh. did you write and figure out where this is going to go? Yep, wrote and figured out where it was going to go. Right. But again, yeah. that was it was such a short process a short time frame that it took yeah. to figure out where it was going um over the course of an afternoon honestly is is kind of where i got the full arc of the story okay. yeah all right yeah all right. so have you ever been a janitor <laughs> not yet <laughs> no no right i i was a school janitor i wonder if i should have been a consultant <laughs> yes yes, yes. <laughs> although i must have a thing because i another script i wrote and turned into a yeah. feature many years ago also featured three uh men in the custodial services really and so I, I i can't explain it any more than that man but uh i know that a long time ago in the 80s there was a movie with um william hurt called eyewitness and he was a janitor and he, I think you remember that one. Mm-hmm. He witnessed a murder, and he's a, all of a sudden he's the hero in the story. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I, I wish I could analyze that further, but I, I don't know why two of my features now, two out of two features actually, have have included uh, uh, janitors in, in the main roles. <laughs> it's a, it's probably one of those that it, it has a. Underwhelming. You th- always think genders. There's something behind this story, right? Mm-hmm. There had to be. There's just something that had to surface. I think. Like, yeah, like definitely, that. definitely. Other than doing monotonous work. And there's definitely layers right. to old Max Bishop. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, did you ever entertain the idea of doing black and white, or this was always going to be kind of? You know, it's interesting you say that because mm-hmm. I, I never thought of sh- thought about shooting it in black and white, but I always considered this. A black and white movie in color 
So when I first yeah. was conceiving the movie, I was seeing very little color in, in the shots. Was, um, so when you did it, could you, you just kind of suppress kind of maybe three colors at most or something like that? Yeah, we, yeah. we ultimately um, kind of landed on a purple palette. And that had something to do with the location that we ended up using. Uh, okay. the, the elementary school um, had just these, a lot of just white with these streaks of purple in the school. And that started pushing us on a path of let's see if we can in, just have a very strict color right. scheme, whites, purples, and kind of shades uh, going off of those two main colors. Um, and I'm really happy about how we were able to control that and really have a tight, tight color scheme in this movie. Um, but yeah, even when I saw that school, when I first walked in, I was yeah. like, ah, this is too much color. This is too much color for what we're going for here. But then it, I really, yeah. once I was sitting on it and thinking about it, I'm like, nah, I think not only do we have an attractive scheme here, I think we have a unique scheme as well. So, yeah. yeah. How long were you able to shoot in the school? Um, not as much as we might have wanted oh, yeah, to. Yeah, but... always, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It's always not as But yeah. still, you know, for a micro-budget production, uh, more than we probably had any right to. I mean, on weekends, we were we pretty much had the run of the place. Okay. Um, we were coming up right to the edge of the school year. We inquired about filming uh you know, in May or excuse me, in June, yeah. but the school was going to be undergoing some remodeling at that time. Right, right. So we we were kind of forced to shoot uh, at that time period. Still worked out, but uh, during the weeknights was when it was most constricting. We could get in three thirty or four, and we had to be out by eleven thirty. So it was. Yeah, we really had to schedule wisely on those nights. Right, yeah. so you, you you probably didn't do many take retakes, right? You probably had to just. <laughs> My crew is probably laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to shoot a lot. Okay. Um, so on those nights where we had limited hours, I mean, thankfully this is a fairly short script. Um, we really only scheduled one or two scenes per night on those okay. short nights. Uh, really. Even with all the rehearsal we did with the actors, I just wanted that breathing room on set, especially for those. I mean, I, we have a few extended dialogue scenes in this movie, and just having the time to work with those actors on set and yeah. just be in that space, I just think is so important. So, it, I'm going back to your writing. Are you kind of comfortable writing dialogue? Because it's really tough. Are you, you kind of. Or is it kind of a really much of a challenge? How do you how do you see yourself writing dialogue? I, I it's definitely a challenge. Um, but you know, I was lucky. I mean, I was ten or eleven, maybe twelve years old. I okay. uploaded a couple scripts online, and boy, you know, I mean, there's yeah, <laughs> brutal reviewers on there, and they, you know. At that age, I'm like, oh, I'm writing master dialogue here. And, <laughs> oh, people quickly, quickly tell you differently, very quickly. So I just made yeah. it a point, like, I need to write dialogue as good as I thought I was writing dialogue. And, yeah, it's it's tough to find that middle ground of sounding natural, but... Yeah, it does. It sounds convincing yeah. that you actually bring a character to, to life. Mm -hmm. So um, who shot the film for you? Yeah, uh, a fellow named Billy Straub, um, uh, just a great, great collaborator. Okay. Um, and I worked with him on a previous short film called Daytimers. Okay. Um, so we had a great working relationship on that. Um, and when I brought him over for the first conversation, uh I could his excitement about the project was making me even more excited than I originally was. So right, I, I, good, it yeah. didn't take much to know that yeah, we, he he needs to be shooting this. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know if you got an idea for here I got an idea for a movie and somebody's like, "Yeah, this really was go with it." It's, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Did, um who did the costuming? Did the costuming you department. Know, that I would say was a group effort okay. between myself, between our art director, uh Kirsty House. Yeah. Um, and really a couple other folks on the crew whose opinions we just trusted. I mean, on this micro-budget production, we didn't have the resources to bring, you know, to fill all those departments. Right. Um, so that really was a group effort. Yep. 
So, uh, and it's a, it's a present day piece. And, it, and I think it's a lot of times that people ignore costuming and makeup when it's something like a present day movie. And yeah. you think that that somehow it just gets eliminated. But yeah, you had to actually put like a, a lot of conscious effort into it, right? Yep. And part of the idea was, you know, we wanted it to be present day, but we didn't want it to, um, we kind of wanted it to feel timeless. Sure. In, in a certain, in a certain yeah. Yeah. I get it. So yeah. we we tried to get uh, costumes that uh, weren't. They're just they're not in right now necessarily. Right. I understand. Yeah. In, you don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Five or ten years ago, maybe they were a little more fashionable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also just the world of Max Bishop. It's. The, the world that we're creating in this movie, it's not exactly reality to a T. Yeah. So we definitely were able to take some license with, um, like, for example, the Max Bishop's wardrobe. Um, I'm really happy with the look of it, but it's, it's with a few minor exceptions, it's, the, it's his costume throughout the entire duration of the movie. Okay. We just, we wanted almost... A cartoonish kind of quality, Present, to yeah, it. almost like a like an Indiana Jones. He wears the same exactly. thing, exactly. Yeah, so yep. that's almost like you, you see to see the outfit. You are more immediately assigned that that is him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know my art instructor always says exaggerate. Please exaggerate. If you're not going to exaggerate, don't create. We always need an exaggeration. Yeah, I like yep. that. Yep. Yeah, that uh, this was definitely a good project to have that <laughs> philosophy. It it, it 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 just yeah, yeah it lended itself very well to that yeah. so it's kind of comedy comedian are you comfortable writing comedy is that something you can do or it's when very I, hard yeah when i'm not consciously trying to write comedy right. that, then it seems to work really really well right. yeah it was, it's almost sometimes better when it's accidental exactly yeah i mean yeah when i sit down and try to be funny it's horrific yeah. right but yeah. uh yeah, there were so many times while writing this that I was just finding myself laughing alone while writing, and that's always a very good sign. So, yeah. yeah. So what you know, there's other dark dark comedies. What other some of the dark comedies that you like that you kind of kind of familiar with? Boy, you know, when you said that the first some of the first titles that popped into my head were you know David Lynch films, uh, Eraserhead. Yeah. Um, and maybe dark comedy isn't the best way to describe that more awkward comedy, right, awkward yeah. humor, strange humor. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly Coen Brothers films um, where it's a little more just straight dark humor. Um, yeah. And then, you know, for this particular film, uh, the movies of Aki Karzmaki, the wonderful Finnish filmmaker and he's still making films today he just had one out last year The Other Side of Hope a huge model for Max Bishop I understand that because I I live with a a Finnish uh, my wife is Finnish and Mm -hmm. their comedy is so much different because it's like if you laugh at it then they don't think it's it's almost very suppressed right Mm -hmm. it's a very suppressed form of comedy where yeah, if you get hit on the head and you're like, well, you know, that could have been worse. But it, it, there's, yeah, there's. <laughs> That's right. absolutely it. Right. Absolutely. But it's not it. like, it can be slapstick, but it's very suppressed kind of a reaction, I, I think. Right. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So that style of humor <laughs> fed into this a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of contrast that with some more. American kind of Jerry Lewis, Jim Carrey kind of humor as well. So I, I think it's an interesting uh, mix of, of of comedy styles. Yeah. Did you let the cast and crew say, "Hey, maybe I want to watch something," you know, to get an idea what the movie is? They had any suggestions of what they should see before they get started or anything yeah, like that. So with uh, Billy, our DP, had yeah. him uh, take a look at. Uh, several films from Jean-Pierre Melville, more for those muted uh, color schemes. Right, yeah. The very precise framing uh, of Melville's films. Um, and then with our art director, Kirsty, um, uh, Punch Drunk Love for, again, more of those kind of muted oh, yeah, uh, color yeah. schemes. The Adam Sandler uh, and West Anderson. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, and then for... for uh, Chris Charest, who plays Max Bishop, 
um, again, some of the Melville films for that okay. very reserved performance style. Yeah. But then to contrast that, uh, some films from Jacques Tati, the French filmmaker, with Monsieur Hulot, that great right. screen comic. Um, again, for just some of those more big uh, yeah. uh, physical comic moments. Um, and it, it was a really fun process, just going through those and picking yeah. out what we liked and what worked for Max Bishop. And I, I think we had a really cool melting pot of influences and different styles. Yeah, yeah it sounds like it's just an emergence of a lot of other things coming in. And mm -hmm. it was, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like a big soup. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, yes, definitely. And yeah. hopefully uh, something, you know, original comes from all of those different yes. influences. Yeah, yeah. So the title's Max Bishop. Did you want to cast that first when you went through the process or did you start, cast that last because that's a kind of an essential part yeah, so I, I actually wrote uh it with uh chris Charest in mind for okay. this role of max i'd worked with chris on daytimers that previous short film um and even though that was an ensemble he was a, just like everyone else in the cast he had a supporting role uh i when this max bishop idea came it pretty much came hand in hand with Chris. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I just knew that he could do this kind of stuff, this reserved performance, yeah. yet at times very big physically. Um, and I just couldn't be happier with the performance he gave. You know, sometimes it's, I, I think actors are kind of a little hesitant to play, to do the, the quiet performance and then sometimes people you know because they don't think they have very many lines but it, it, it's, it's kind of a nice challenge if especially if you're the title character but you're very much of a quiet person yep. yeah yeah it's yeah uh, especially because in this film it's all the other characters that Max Bishop encounters and there's a lot of of characters that he encounters <laughs> they're kind of the yeah. the big the bigger performances in the scene and max yeah. is typically very reserved and so that's a nice mix um but yeah i i totally know what you're saying and yeah those are some of the initial conversations we had that you know there's temptations to go big with some of these scenes and some yeah. of the dialogue and what we're going to do is try and keep it small and reserved yeah. with those exceptional bursts of of big physicality and, and loudness yeah where you, I understand because he's a hitman, he goes to school janitor, there's a lot of contrast. Would you, we're kind of aware of we're gonna, how we can mix in contrast throughout the movie, you know, him being quiet and surrounded by loud. and. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I was. And I think it kind of came from, I tend to be attracted to more episodic films. Okay, um, big scale. Yeah. yeah, and so as I was writing this, I very consciously wrote... Um, just kind of, yes, there's a through line with the story yeah. and there's a few recurring characters, but I really wanted to just go on a journey with Max and see, even though we have a micro budget, how many weird characters are in this world and how many weird people can Max interact with. And then from that, yeah, these different contrasts just started kind of presenting themselves sure. through the writing um, and recognizing, again, what we liked. Um, conversation between me and Chris on the performance level, and then between me and Billy on the visual level, and Kirsty. Um, yeah, yeah, that might have been a roundabout answer, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. That's that's all right. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, who are the other so um, characters in the in the movie? Yeah, a um, uh, couple interesting folks are Don and Sal, and we meet them fairly early, and okay. they are kind of Max's handlers in the underground world. Um, a little bit like Gildenstein and Rosencrantz. Yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, yes. right. Um, and then uh, I... I <laughs> Max's primary, primary antagonist, I guess you could call her, is a young girl named Lucy in the movie, uh, uh, soon followed by another young uh, girl named Katie. Or, okay. <laughs> Uh, Ruby in the movie, uh, played by Katie Trosky, and then Lucy is played by uh, young Iris Seifert. And these girls were just amazing. I mean, we when we started casting this movie yeah. and even started working on it, we thought casting these girls is going to be the most 
difficult part because this is such a unique form of comedy we're going for. It's, so these characters, the, the adult, they're still like adult characters? Oh, uh, they're, they're young, they're, you know, 10, 11 year old girls in, okay. in, in the right. movie, but okay. um, they're probably maybe some of the more adult characters. That's what I was, that, okay, that's what, yeah, they, yeah. Two, yeah, the two, okay. Yep, okay. yep. Um, yeah, they are not, nothing really throws them for a loop in this, <laughs> in this, uh, even with dealing with this hitman, uh, Max Bishop. No, nothing really throws them for a loop. Um, but yeah, those, those two characters, um, I, I, the, the, the actors, Iris and Katie, um, they came in and from the first audition, we, we kept bringing them back for callbacks, but in our heart of hearts we knew they were they were right i mean they just got the humor from the get-go from the very beginning that's nice when they catch on yeah 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 yeah. did they know each other before the movie uh not before the movie they did not know each other um but even then during one of the callbacks we uh brought them together and just did some improv with them along with chris and i mean they just ate it up they just did such a good job just performing yeah. off each other and performing off of Chris and taking what the other was giving. I mean, it was stunning. Yeah. They are just two incredibly talented performers. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Wonderful. So, um, outside the characters and the rest of the crew, um, is there any other notables that you'd like to talk about before we move on? Um, I mean, we haven't mentioned before. Uh, from outside of the cast and crew, or with well, anybody with, we haven't, yeah, with yeah. Um, so Ellie Drews um, came on board as well. She was our first AC, um, okay. and just again, tremendous, tremendous. Um, mentioned uh, Kirstie House, but again, maybe not enough. She was just phenomenal as our art director. Uh, Benjamin Rumbach Clark uh, was our production sound mixer. Okay, phenomenal. Jack Hugesberg, um, who I I don't even know what to credit him as. I mean, you know, there's just some people that can do all. Yeah, what what title do you have? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so yeah, just and and I know I'm forgetting people, <laughs> um, but no, we just had such a good, passionate group of people, which is what you need on micro budget productions. That's yeah. just the type of people you need to surround yourself with. All right, well, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to grab water, and then um, we're going to get back to you. Awesome. With Jack. Thank you. This is Angelica Norton. And this is Amber Moreno. I produce. And I host a podcast called Chatty Crafties. I chat with our crafty friends about what drives them to make, perform, and create. It's not about perfection. No. It's about expression. We invite you to peer into the lives of our guests' creative processes and inspirations. We hope to excite those who assume they're not creative and support those who may have forgotten that they are. Honestly, I just want to celebrate and absorb their creative energy to try new things. So it won't sound so daunting for me to, oh, sew a swimsuit, tell a story on stage in front of strangers, or get back into painting. So find us at chattycrafties.com for a new episode every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Now go make some art. Hi, this is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast again. Hey, are you interested in being to help out with the show? St. Paul Filmcast now has a Patreon page with some great deals and great offerings. If you're interested to support this show and keep the great content that we are providing already, check out our Patreon page today. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening. All right, we're back with Jack. All right, do you do 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 you do music? Do you do play an instrument? I do not play an instrument. Uh, wish I did. Wish I did. If you could, which one would you do? You, you know, probably guitar. Maybe guitar. Or right. something in brass, possibly even. Well, I think if you're a director, I think maybe drumming, because that's like four uh, different things at once. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> right, you have to do four things. I mean, really, your limbs are all have their own brain. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Very true. <laughs> very very true. <laughs> yeah. 
So with uh, back with Max Bishop, did you have a certain when talking with uh, with sound? Did you have a certain sound in mind? Uh, how would you relay to that, or a certain tone coming to you? When yeah, you um, almost kind of bordering on flamenco style uh, music was kind of in my head, like poppy jazz or something. Yeah, or, or what is flamenco? Well, like uh, flamenco. Kind oh, of flamenco. Mo- yeah, flamenco. I'm sorry, I yep. Yeah. Um, and it came I, th- I think the inspiration came from uh, a film uh, called murder by contract which is uh, I believe from like 58 or 59 um, and it just has this beautiful guitar score kind of reminiscent of the score from the third man yeah um, with the, the zipper y- yep yeah. yep so it, it it felt right it, it's it just offers kind of a interesting component to the what's okay. happening on screen it it for me it kind of heightens the humor a little bit seeing max bishop trying to figure this world out while this flamenco <laughs> guitar is kind of playing in the, in the back it's it's yeah. it's a really nice uh mix uh, and we have uh, a great uh musician uh andrew hansen uh who's originally from fargo and he currently here he he lives here in minneapolis um and he's just been knocking it out of the park. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really, really exciting uh, listening to what he's been coming up with. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. Do you ever consider being in front of the camera? Uh, not recently. I think when I, you know, as a young kid, when I first started getting yeah, yeah. into this, you know, there was that for a yeah. little while. But not, not recently. No. Even cameo stuff. Eh. Because usually directors do almost like a signature. Make mm. sure that it's kind of, yeah, so it's kind of in. My signature yeah. might be staying the hell away from the camera. <laughs> At least that side of it. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting back to my book, and it's a noir. You said you liked noirs, and we we're and during the break. Does any noir pop out to you that kind of, other than, you know, like Third Man that you already mentioned before? Yeah. Um you know, a few that pop into mind are, of course, the killers. Um, and then I guess this pops in my head because when I was living in L.A., this was in a double feature with the killers, um, Cry of the City, um, which was directed by, hmm, I'm forgetting it right now, but that was a noir that I was not familiar with. And, you know, I'm talking about being attracted to stories that are a little more episodic. Yeah. That's a noir that, um, man, we're just kind of exploring this yeah. city along with the protagonist and just all the different inhabitants of the city. Well, I'm writing um, this down. Okay, Cry for the City. I'm going to actually... Uh, cry look. of the City. Of yep. the City, okay. Yep. Got to get my prepositions yep. right. Cry of the City. All right. Yeah. Do How many movies do you usually watch a week? Well... When I'm not making a movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> when I'm not making a movie, it could be as much as a movie a night, or as little as you know, two or three a week. Yeah. Um, during the production of Max Bishop, you know, to keep the creativity flowing, I would always try to have something on in the background. But yeah. there wasn't a lot of sitting down and consciously watching things. And right. even throughout the last few weeks, just with editing and all of that, it it it. I still try to pop something on just for a reference here or there, but it's been a few weeks since I've sat down and consciously watched something from beginning to end. Sure, sure. With writing, directing, when you watch another movie, what's the first thing that kind of pops out to you, though? Is the writing or direct a kind of the both? You know, this might not be the answer you're looking for, but what, how it's making me feel. And that might be kind of an obvious answer, but you know, you know, it kind of it, yeah, it's almost yeah. How does it? How do they project my? How, well, yeah, I like yeah, that. How am I? What is it making me feel? And you know, it. Yeah, on the first watch, I'll be watching for different elements and that kind of stuff. But yeah. I really want that first viewing to just be, just let it kind of wash over. Um, um, yeah, even when I, you know, look back on movies that I've watched, it's just so rare that I'll remember what a movie is about or what the story was. It's so often I remember how it made me feel and what the emotions were like while watching it. That's the it. first punch, right? That's the first pop out as the, the emotional reaction to it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Yep. Do you uh 
do you uh, entertain other genres? Can you watch other genres? You know, absolutely. I mean, I mean for for watching. Uh, I right. will watch anything. I will really watch anything. I know. I get my wife gets upset because we'll be watching, you know, My Fair Lady. Yeah. And then she goes to bed, and I come back and I'm watching Slumber Massacre, or Slumber Party <laughs> Massacre Five. And she's like, "What? What is wrong with you?" <laughs> variety is so I, good. Variety yeah. is so yeah. good. Variety, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I go, "It's part five. You think they learn better after four, but no." <laughs> And, you know, for me, uh, Jean-Pierre Melville, he, he lives right alongside with Lloyd Kaufman and Troma. There, there's no high right, art right. and low art for me. It's yeah. all pretty much <laughs> side by side, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So do, other than movies, do you have a certain, like, other medias like TV shows or books that you like to do? You know, it's primarily cinema. Okay. Um definitely go through phases where are you kind of yeah, is it kind of like yeah. me like you really like a movie did you, did you then you go read the book because I'm, I'm usually the opposite if i really like a movie then i'll go read the book that but if i don't me, yeah, yeah that, i don't do book first that's kind of my forte yeah that tends to and you know it's kind of interesting that i don't know why my mind popped to this but you know when gone girl came out uh the the film adaptation came out and yeah. i saw that i had never read the book um, loved the movie. Loved how kind of daring it was narratively. I mean, it's almost yeah, I like, too I like different. The tone of it. Yeah, it's very foreboding. Even when it's yeah. there's nothing foreboding going on. I did yep. like that sense, that feeling the whole time. Yep. And so I would tell people, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. And they said, well, you got to read the book. You got to read the book. Um, and I just never really have that reaction. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. What Gone Girl is doing cinematically. I don't know how it could do that in, in, in literature. Yeah. So what what I'm getting out of Gone Girl, I just don't think I'd get the same thing out of the book necessarily. Sure. Um, and I could be completely wrong. Some there's probably a listener right now just <laughs> shaking their head. But uh, that that tends to be how I approach that. Yeah. You know, do you do it like a healthy dose of foreign films as mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like right now, I'd say my favorite filmmaker working today is probably um, the Thai filmmaker Apichit Pong Werasethical. I am butchering probably both the first and last name there. He recommends we call him Joe. Us, us Eng- English language speakers <laughs> right. just call him Joe. Um, but he's just making films that to me are just immediately legendary. Um, Tropical Malady is one of them. His most recent is Cemetery of Splendor. And they're just very contemplative, very spiritual. Um, they can be sense they can present like an allegory, even though it's not necessarily yeah, it's a weird mixture with uh, Korean and Thailand films, how they can present an allegory and it has yes. yeah, it's like a almost a clash. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, he I mean I anyone who hasn't watched his stuff I just he's definitely my favorite working today right now um, either whether it's US or foreign filmmakers um, and then you know going back I mentioned Jacques Tati earlier yeah. he's definitely one of my favorite filmmakers um, I tend to be very attracted to long shot long takes yeah and that's yeah. Almost, that's pretty much what his films are entirely composed of, and yet they're very fun. They're funny. They're they're. There's anything wrong with this? They're not a uh, you know super deep Tarkovsky epic or something. You know they're just right. Very I think people think that movies, yeah, yeah. an epic film has to have some kind of deep temporal meaning to it. Mm-hmm. But it's some things that just an epic just means a scope, right? Yep. It just a large scope. Yep, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um. And that's part of what we were bringing to Max Bishop, I guess, was the style that was a lot of long shots combined with long takes. Yeah. And that was the idea even from the writing stage. A lot of the dialogue, the humor, the scenes were just presenting themselves to me in these very long, extended takes. And I'm not entirely sure why. Part of it was, I know in the weeks leading up to it, I was watching a lot of um, the American filmmaker James Benning, who 
does a lot of landscape films, but even that seems a, a kind of a shallow way to describe his work. Um, but his films, I mean, his shot lengths, they'll be anywhere from 60 second to three minute takes, static shots of landscapes, or to the extreme end, we're talking a three hour film where it is just a nope. three hour shot of a railroad track and the things that pass by yeah. in, during that time span. So obviously I wasn't going to make a three-hour micro-budget hit no, right. long-take yeah, yeah. movie, but um, I think that that was just in the psyche as, as, we, as I was writing and then as we went into prepping and just... Yeah. It, it seemed to draw out the humor even more. These long, <laughs> almost painfully extended sequences, it just worked so well for this material. So, Is it kind of hard to rehearse comedy? Or are you just kind of... That was it. I don't want to, you know, is it, what, how is your sense with that with make, making a com- comedian? Yeah, you know, it. it's hard because I, I do like a lot, a lot of prep and a lot, a lot of rehearsal. Sure. Um, but kind of need to be careful and going to what you just said with comedy, I mean, a yeah. lot of it can be just so spontaneous and, yeah. you know, just happening in the moment. So. It was a matter of kind of finding that right balance of making sure we were on on the actor's side just so prepped and ready to get to set and just nail it, but still leave some room, some wiggle room, some room for yeah. exploration on set. And I think that's what all the rehearsal gives you in the end is everyone knows what their job is. Um, everyone knows their, their lines. Um, yeah. So that when you get to set, yeah, you you know what you're doing, but you still have that freedom and that just room to explore a little bit. I mean, you've put all this time and energy and money to getting there to set. Yeah, I don't want to rush that part of it when we're there finally and cameras are rolling. I I want to live in that moment for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, without with you know other than Max Bishop, do you think you have a continuation with the 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 movie, or do you have something in mind with it to continue on? Um, well, I definitely you know want to see it through you know exposure audiences, yeah. getting it out there in that way. But yeah. I, I don't necessarily know that I see doing more with 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 this sure. property. Yeah. Um, I I think we did what we set out to do. I'm very happy with what we've achieved, and I, I think from here it's on to the next project, um, which was always kind of the goal. We, we always wanted to... Yeah, let it stand alone? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, we just... We wanted to make a movie. We just really, really, really wanted to make a movie. Um, uh, and... And get exposure and get experience and, and yeah. meet more people so that we, we have more people to draw on for that next project. So, Well, I guess my next question, and I, I should have probably asked you earlier, is um, how will be able, people be able to see it when it comes out? How will people find it? Yeah, we're going to you know start with a festival run, just try okay. to hit as many as we can. Um, but in conjunction with that festival run, we'd like to have some premieres here in St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously people can go to our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Um, yeah, so the, we'll, we'll making, definitely have those posted, yeah. Yeah, we'll make all sorts of announcements on when those screenings might be. But I would, I would think since we're going to be doing the festival run, those premieres will probably be the first chance that people can right. uh, see the film just with... You know, festivals not loving DVD distribution before you make it to their festival and all that kind of stuff. So, would yeah. you be able? I mean, I know Tim Burton can't watch people watching his films. Do you think you can be comfortable watch, watching people watch your movie? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, luckily, yes. Yeah. With Max Bishop, absolutely. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I set out to make something. Not to sound selfish, but I, to make something for me that, you know, no apologies. This is what I want to see. Well, on I think camera. so. Even with my comic book, I, it's something. You gotta. And I think I, we have to, it's something that, you know, people are like, why didn't you just stop? And I go, no, it had, it has to be done. I got this thing in mind. It's not going to go away. Yep. I have to get it out. I have to make it. Yeah. Whether it's leave it, even good or bad, I have to get this out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a, a different style uh, of, of humor and, and even 
plot and and story. Well, I think but, Minnesotans uh, yeah. get that. I think with the Cone Brothers from us and a lot of Finn people, mm-hmm. that th- th- there's a weird, weird comedy that we we crave here in Minnesota that we kind of get that. Eventually, other people catch on. I am thinking we can deliver on that. <laughs> Weird comedy. I think we can deliver on that. <laughs> well, I think it's else. a sense of like awkwardness. Everybody kind of. Mm. I don't. I'm trying to dance around the word "kooky." I don't like that word, but it's a sense of awkwardness, and that that's really presented in in life. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And as outlandish as the Max Bishop story is, and as outlandish as some of his encounters are with the, with the uh, other characters, so much of it is still just based on <laughs> human awkwardness. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Midwest awkwardness as well, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, and, and, and awkwardness and then we have to be polite. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yep, there is... Uh, there's some polite humor, some some humor at uh, the expense of manners and politeness in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't say you goodbye and leave. You have to do it five times Exactly, over exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. there's anyone who likes that kind of material, um, I think will be way at home in Max Bishop land, yeah. Well, would I, is it for all ages? Will all ages be able to see it? You know, I w- I'd say probably, you know, PG-13 rating. Sure. Um, the trickiest part is is going to be that humor. I mean, there's yeah. not a lot. I mean, there's no graphic violence in the movie by any means, but there's a lot of dark content. Well, I almost, dark, so, you kind of assume so when you say dark comedy. That it's, yes. It's, 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 yes. It's, yeah. And, you know, I mean, we're dealing with, uh, out-of-work hitman who takes up employment at an elementary school. I mean, we're opening a can of worms right there, right off the bat. Um, and, <laughs> um, but um, it was just so attractive, uh, this story, and I'd like to think we might have one of the more family-friendly dark comedies on the market. Um, but I, any parents out there, maybe do your research on, on the sure. film a little bit before uh, allowing your kids to watch it, yeah. So, um, with I want to go back with your long takes and stuff, and especially in the movie. Did you have a Did you have a sit down with the editor, trying to complement this and piece it together? Because when you do long takes, editing is actually very much more important than actually just splicing up a montage, you know, stuff like that. But you know, did you have a long conversation with the editor? How you kind of thankfully, you know? uh, I and our co-producer Stephen Sherman are the editors on this project. Okay, so you know, even. In the writing stage, I mean, I almost write with the edit in mind to a certain extent. Yeah. So I, I really, to a certain extent, was kind of pacing out the scenes with those long takes in the writing process already. Okay. And certainly there's, you know, a few scenes that we can cut down a little bit in editing and that kind of stuff. But those long takes, when the for yeah. the most part, from when they were first written, they were always meant to be long takes, yeah. and they fit in just very, very nicely. They just complement the material really well, it feels yeah. like, and yeah. Well, I, 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 gosh, we ran out of time. I can't believe it. Oh, man, I have to say, this is actually fun. I, I this a is great, time, man. man. This is a lot of. I, I actually I, all these things that you reference, I wrote these down. I'm gonna have to look them up it, tonight, yeah, because that's a wonderful, report. wonderful. Yeah. You have some treats and stuff. Yeah, I got some homework to do. This is great. Yeah. Well, when I did film history when I'm in college, and people like you know come home, what are you gonna do? I gotta watch five movies. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> what? Yeah, I gotta watch these movies. I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Jack, I like to say thanks for coming on. And my last question, maybe you've already mentioned it before, but I always ask my guests, what is your favorite movie? Today, uh, September 15th. 16th. 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 Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you asked me that today, I'm, I, I'm going with uh, Jock Tati's Playtime, uh, which is um, from 1967 or 68, yeah. and it's... A masterpiece and I'll just describe it as almost a film version of Where's Waldo except everybody is Waldo in the frame is it kind of like a clown thing? yes yeah yes. kind of like a clown I there's think there's a Charlie Chaplin-esque main yeah. character but his goal with that movie was 
everybody in frame is the main character. Nice. So you could be watching, one person in the audience can be watching the right corner of the frame and be watching yeah. a completely different movie from the person who's watching the left corner of frame. And it's beautiful. It's it a wonderful beautiful. construct because I think Houdini explained it, that people, there nobody can follow more than five people in a room. And that's how you can get away with mm -hmm. magic. Mm -hmm. And then I, I don't want to, but that was his last magic. Usually when he did a show, the last magic trick is he'll stand in, on the one side of the stage and say, we're going to build a brick wall. And by the time they're done, I'll be at the other end. And you seal off all the ways, exits of loot, you know, of not being able to escape the stage. And they seal them up and you get these masons, about 20 masons. They sit there and build a brick wall. It took about 10 minutes. And by the time they were done and left, he was on the other side. What he did was actually disrobe in front of everybody and put on the mason outfit and started making the wall with them and turn around the other side. And then because there's so many people and making noise and everything, he realized nobody ever caught it. That's because amazing. He just knew that more than five people. And I think that's projected in playtime that nobody can concentrate on more than three things going on in a film yeah. that makes it much more fuller and you can actually see it again. Yep. It's yep. fascinating. I look forward to more filmmakers um, kind of taking some of the things that Tati was doing and pushing right. them even further. There's I think a lot of filmmakers there. just think about the front and not really about the backside. That can be it, a lot of, you can fill it with much more interesting space mm -hmm. as well too. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jack, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. They will hear it on the radio. Like a sinner, can we slow it down?